Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. So what's wrong with a little revenge? Isn't it merely getting even and that's justice? Nietzsche, the German philosopher, said Jesus' teaching about forgiving is morally outrageous. It's a religious trick to get us to tolerate things we should never tolerate. Revenge is merely seeking justice. Nietzsche was saying that forgiving is unjust to the victim. He meant that when somebody does us wrong... We have a right to get even. That's just justice. Nietzsche was teaching that Jesus is teaching on forgiving other people who've done us wrong is morally outrageous because it gyps us out of justice. It lets them go scot-free. Where's the justice in that, said Nietzsche. So what's wrong with a little revenge? It's just getting justice. I'm thinking of a woman whose husband left her after more than 28 years of marriage. He left her for a much younger woman. But before he left, he openly dated the other woman while he was still living at home. He received phone calls from this other woman to his home. And he berated his wife for being, as he said, lumpy and fat. After six months of emotional torture, he finally moved out and divorced her. And then he married this other woman in a lavish ceremony in which he invited all of their friends, most of whom came to the wedding which hurt her even further. Guess what day he had this wedding on? What would have been their 29th wedding anniversary? Calculated, cruel, callous. This man discarded her like a piece of outdated clothing. It gets worse. About a year later, he phones her. She comes into my office to tell me about what his phone call was about. She said that he phoned her and said, I'm very happy now, and I hope you're happy too. And I wondered if you would bless my new marriage and let bygones be bygones. I said, what did you say to him? She said, I told him to go to hell. (laughs) And we were both quiet. And then she said, and I quote, After what he did, why should I forgive him? He ruined my life. Someday, someway, I'm going to make him pay for what he did to me. What would you have said to it? Can you blame her? 
Isn't for her to get even with him just getting justice? So what's wrong with a little revenge, especially in a case like this? Forgiving is an unnatural act because it seems so unfair. It lets the person go scot-free. It seems so unjust to us. I think C.S. Lewis is right when he said, everyone says forgiving is a lovely idea until there's someone to forgive. Everyone forgives some of the time, but very few people forgive every time. I wonder whose name I could mention this morning and the anger would begin to surge through you as you remember how they defamed you or wronged you in some way. Your jaw would stiffen, the memory tapes would begin to roll about what that person did. Maybe it's an ex-spouse, maybe it's an in-law, maybe it's a parent who abused you as a child, maybe it's a former boss or somebody who worked for you, did you wrong. Maybe it's someone at work right now. Whose name could I mention? And the memory tapes would begin to roll and you'd re-experience the anger all over again. You know, last week I just did a little uh, Googling to see if there's any websites to help us get revenge. And believe me, there's no shortage of websites. (laughs) One of them uh, is called Payback.com. And you see it actually here on the screen. They'll write anonymous emails to whoever you want to get even with, anonymous letters. They'll make up bumper stickers you can put on their car and everybody else's car. And then they just list all the all the people you'd want to get even with, including mean police officer. True story, my wife this last week got a ticket. She uh, came home and she said, you know, every time a police car passes me, I pray for that policeman because they have such a tough job, tough job. But she's so angry at this policeman for giving her a ticket. She says, I'm not going to pray for him. (laughs) And knowing what I was preaching on this week, she says, is that revenge? (laughs) She's not praying for that police officer now. But, you know, they'll send... Anonymous Facebook messages for you. Just get them into the Facebook and they'll fill it with defaming messages. You know, I got to thinking about that. Facebook is increasingly used to defame people and get revenge, isn't it? You know, if you read Facebook at all, you'd be amazed at how often this happens. No, you probably wouldn't because you've seen it so much. But you know what is really amazing? How other people will pile on electronically. (laughs) Piling on. You know, this is such a great temptation to hide behind the keyboard of your computer and defame a person without going to confront them yourself. You know, I just have to say this. The Scriptures, Jesus has a lot to say about not gossiping, And not listening to gossip. If you're a Christian, you should have nothing to do with electronic gossip and defaming. 
You shouldn't even read those messages because it stains your perception of that person afterwards. It stains you. It's real important in an electronic age not even to be part of that. Still, payback.com will do it for you. And they'll just fill that Facebook with messages for you. Some of you are writing this down right now, I can see. (laughs) But there's also my favorite one is called the revengelady.com. There's actually a site, revengelady.com. And what's really great about this site is it's dedicated to helping women get even with men. A lot of women are writing this down right now. I can see it out there. You know, it's a sad thing. You're going to go home with no notes from this sermon except on the back of your bulletin, therevengelady.com. Got to look at that. (laughs) You know, this site uh, has a motivational section about how sweet revenge is. And what it is is the stories of all of her clients and how they've gotten sweet revenge on some guy. One of my favorites, as I just looked down at real quickly, was one woman writes about her husband divorcing her after 16 years of marriage for a cute young thing. And uh, he wanted her to let him have their luxury apartment and her to take the money she got from the divorce and go get her own, buy her own apartment. And she agreed. Amazingly, she agreed because she had a plan. She just asked, I'll do that if you give me three days to pack. And he agreed. So the first day, she packed up all of her own things. The second day, the movers came and moved all of her things out of the apartment. The third day at night, she came, lit candles on the table, and then feasted on crab and shrimp in a nice bottle of Chardonnay. After she had finished this feast, she carefully took all the shells from the shrimp and all the crab shells, and she stuffed them inside the uh, curtain rods in the bedroom. And in every other room where there were curtain rods, she filled it with the shells that were left over in the meat and stuff like that. Then she left. The next day... Her ex moves in with his girlfriend. About three days later, the place begins to stink the high heaven. They open the windows, try to air the place out. It doesn't help. So they hire professional cleaners to come and scrub the place down and steam clean the carpets. And they hung uh, air fresheners everywhere. Didn't help. So they ripped out, she said, they ripped out all the carpets and replaced them with new carpets. Still stunk. So finally, they gave up and sold their luxury apartment at a steep discount because it stunk so much and moved all their stuff out, including the curtain rods. Sweet revenge. Now you're really writing down these websites, aren't you? She has pages of ideas on her website of how to get even with men. 
In our scripture reading this morning, Paul has a boatload of reasons for getting revenge, but he doesn't. He had been beaten without a trial, whipped with rods that would turn a man's back into a bloody pulp. That's no little thing. He was a Roman citizen, yet not given a fair trial to defend himself, and he was thrown into a rat-infested prison. When the earthquake comes in our scripture reading, it's obvious this is an act of God. Because it doesn't just throw open the jail doors. The shackles fall off of them. Earthquakes don't do that unless God's involved. But Paul doesn't make a break for it. He stays put and saves the life of the jailer who is about to commit suicide. And when the city officials offer to set him free, he doesn't take revenge on the city. Why? Well, in the first place, Jesus has commanded us to forgive. Paul knows that to take revenge is a sin against the Lord. I think we get a little fuzzy on this. Someone sins against us, and then we take revenge, and now we've sinned against them and God. It's a sin not to forgive. That's the first reason Paul doesn't take revenge. A multitude of times Jesus commands us to forgive as he's forgiven us. He even put it in the middle of the Lord's Prayer. He says in the Lord's Prayer... We're taught to pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Jesus makes it perfectly clear that if we do not forgive, we have sinned against him and we will not be forgiven ourselves. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 14. Give you a little background. Paul, this is his last letter he writes. He's about to be executed by Nero. He's uh, chained in Nero's dungeon awaiting re- uh, execution. We're going to look at this in a couple of weeks, this passage, more fully. He sends for the brothers, uh, Christians, to come and comfort him and strengthen him as he faces execution. And then he also says this, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. He names him. He calls him out. We don't know what Alexander the metal worker did to hurt the work of Christ through Paul. To hurt the work of the church. We don't know. We just know that Paul says, look out for him. But I'm not going to take revenge on him. I'm just going to warn you about him and what he does. But I'm not going to take revenge on him because the Lord will repay. The Lord is, vengeance is the Lord's. Now, just a little side note here. If we have a friend who's doing someone wrong, we need to warn them that they're in great danger of the discipline of the Lord. I remember being taught this when I was a new Christian years ago, and it really impacted me that get rid of this lie, Mike, that you can do things and nobody knows and get away with it. 
Because when you do that, you're in danger of the Lord disciplining you. C.S. Lewis famously put it this way. He said, pain is God's megaphone. When a person is doing wrong to other people unrepentedly, if God has to, he'll break them. He'll break them to wake them up and to become teachable. Surely some of you have experienced this. The first time you finally repented is when something happened that broke you. Now, what happens here is a lot of bad things that just happen in this world are just because people do what people do and it's just part of living in life. But sometimes bad things happen to people because it's the discipline of God. It's a discipline of God. And that's why it's so important. If you've got a friend who's doing bad things to other people, you need as a friend to warn them, you're in danger. If God has to, he'll break you. That's what Paul's saying. The Lord will repay. The Lord will take care of this. So Jesus commands us to forgive. But there's something I want to remind you of as I say it's a commandment. And I've said this so often. Every commandment of God is His effort to show us how to have abundant life. Because we don't naturally see it. They are signposts that this is the way to abundant living. And so often... It goes against our natural bent. This commandment to forgive as I've forgiven you goes against our nature of wanting to pay back. But it's really the only way to get past the past and have abundant life. Forgiving someone is the fairest thing you can do for yourself. Why? It's the only way to stop the torture of memories. Know what I mean by the torture of memories? A few years ago, a man came to me for help who had been fired from his well-paying job. Just so happens, some other people in that company had framed him. They had lied And they made him the fall guy for what they had done. And he was fired. His boss wouldn't listen to him. And he was at such an age, he really couldn't get another job at that level of pay. He had to take a job that paid a lot less and was really way below his experience and skill level. And you see what that did, he told me, was it not only impacted his retirement, But he couldn't do the sort of things he was used to doing for his family anymore because he just didn't have the income. Bitter. (laughs) That's too weak a word to describe. Because you see, they had hurt his family by what they had done. He told me how he continually rehearsed what they had done to him. He said to me that even when he'd be out to dinner sometimes with his wife, she'd be talking and those memories would begin to roll and invade his space. And 
all the anger he felt originally would renew in him and surge through him. And suddenly he wasn't at the dinner table. He was standing in front of those people accusing them like a prosecuting attorney. The memories torturing him at the most unexpected times. You see, the best thing he could do for himself would be to forgive them and let it go so he could stop the torture in his mind. Do you know the latest fad in churches is hand sanitizing machines? Churches are putting them at the doors to the entrance of the uh, worship center, right next to the greeters. I think that sends the wrong message. Kind of imagine how it goes. Someone's coming to church, the greeter says, Hi, how are you? I haven't seen you before. First time here? Yeah, first time? Good. Oh, we're so glad to have you. We don't judge people here. We just take them as they are. You're going to love this place. We're going to love on you. You can love on you and you're just going to just have a good time here. Oh, I see you got four kids here. You want me to kiss your baby? Okay. Oh, kids, we just love kids. They're so good. Mm, They're so good. They're just God's gift to us to have four kids like that. They're going to have such a good time in Kid Central over there. Where are you from? Oklahoma? Well, that's good. You're a 49er fan? Well, go on in there and worship. That's why we're not having hand sanitizers out there. But you know what I wish we did have? Mind sanitizers. Thought sanitizers. It'd be so good if we had a machine out there that somehow we could sanitize our mind. Because it's causing us more trouble than anything else. Just what we're thinking about up there. Rehearsing the memories, the accusations, the judgments against somebody who did them wrong. We're absolutely right. They did us wrong. But it's mentally torturing us. I love what Dante in his epic poem, The Inferno, said. Hell is for people who insist on reliving the past. Hell is for people who insist on reliving the past. That's why you put unforgiving people in hell. Actually, we put ourselves in a mental hell here on earth by refusing to forgive. Forgiving is the only way that you can cleanse your mind of those torturing memories. You can't get past the past if you relive it. Secondly, How do we forgive? Well, slowly, over time, by taking control of our thoughts. Taking control of our thoughts. Now, I want to say this. Sometimes you hear a person go up to another person who's been really wronged and just say, well, just forgive. (laughs) Forgiving is grief. 
Grief takes time to work through the anger and all the rest. It takes time and a lot of hard work. You don't just do it like that. But you do do it by taking control of your thoughts. 2 Corinthians chapter um, 5 verse 10 says, Take control of your thoughts. When the CD of the memories begins to roll, you've got to say, Stop! I know this is not the Holy Spirit pushing the play button in my mind. Because He commands me to forgive. He wants to, me to have abundant life. This is not abundant life. I know who pushed the button. It's the devil. Because he wants to destroy me. He wants to make me revengeful and bitter. I'm not going to listen to it. Stop. That's how you get past the past. You don't take a pill. The first day you're going to have to do it 25, 30 times. The next day you're going to have to do it 25, 30 times. And gradually, over time, it will lessen. But you have to say stop. you got to talk to yourself. Now this really applies to marriage. Because you know, nothing is more common than in an argument between a husband and wife for one or both to start pulling up the past. Reminding them all the things they did wrong in the past. All their mistakes. All their failures. Nothing's more common than that. But it's like taking weed killer and spraying your flower garden, all the flower garden, to get rid of two dandelions. It kills so many other things that are beautiful. The quickest way to dig the grave of love is to keep bringing up the past. Third, most people who have trouble forgiving have trouble forgiving because they're confused about what forgiving is. They're confused. I want to tell you some nice things forgiving is not to help you forgive. Look at Paul in our scripture reading. The city officials send word after the earthquake that's obviously divine that Paul can go free. Just go. Leave the city. And Paul doesn't. He sits in the prison waiting for them to come to him. He says, you know, you come to me. We read about it in verse 37. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly. Now he's naming what they did. They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we're Roman citizens, and they threw us into prison. And now they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves to us and escort us out. You know what he's saying there? We're going to have a little confrontation here. Going to have a little talk. (laughs) No, you come. Going to have a little talk. Forgiving doesn't mean that you don't confront and itemize the things that you won't tolerate anymore. He doesn't ignore what they did or sweep it under the rug saying, oh, it just didn't happen, it wasn't that bad. Why? Because if he doesn't confront them, they're going to do it again. That's real important. takes courage to confront But if you don't confront, they're going to do it again to you or other people. Forgiving does not mean there are no consequences. 
That's a nice thing for giving is not. You know, a CBA, CPA embezzles money from his company. You may forgive him, but still fire him because he's no longer trustworthy to handle the funds. Forgive, but consequences. Paul has been whipped without a trial, and he's a Roman citizen, and he confronts the wrongdoers. The question that I asked in our scripture reading earlier is, why does he wait until after he's whipped to confront them? Uh, tell them he's a Roman citizen. Why not tell them before so they wouldn't whip him? He could have saved himself a lot of pain. The reason is he wanted to protect the church at Philippi. Now he had the goods on these officials. They were corrupt to the core. If he would have confronted them before, they would have just let him go. But after he left, they would have gone after the church because they were corrupt. So he goes through the pain sacrificially so he has the goods on them. They never asked him if he's a Roman citizen. They didn't give him a fair trial. They just went after him in religious persecution. Now they're not going to touch any Christians in that city. They're not going to touch that church because they know he can go to Rome and they're toast. You know what happened? He had them come to him and then he walked them out of town. And on the way out of town, they had a little talk. You can see it. They had a little talk. Leave that church alone. Forgiving is not tolerating more of the same. That's not forgiving. Forgiving doesn't mean you have to tolerate more of the same. Listen to me. God calls you to forgive anything. He does not call you to tolerate everything. They're different. You can forgive a person still bring consequences, and still refuse to tolerate more of the same. Forgiving does not mean to accept the unacceptable. Turning the other cheek doesn't mean you let them break your jaw. A wife can forgive her husband, but that does not mean she'll tolerate more of the same. She can forgive, but say, don't do that again. He's been unfaithful. To forgive does not mean you tolerate repetition. It's not good for them and it's not good for you. That's what Paul does here. He walks them out of the town and says, I won't tolerate more of this. And forgiving does not always lead to reconciliation. That might be a surprise to you. This is very important. It only takes one to forgive. It takes two to reconcile. I think some of us hesitate in forgiving because we're afraid it means I've got to be best friends with them again. No. If a husband beats his wife and will not repent, does it again? The marriage is over. If a husband is unfaithful in a marriage and is unrepentant, the marriage is over. You can't have a marriage on that basis. 
If a person repeatedly does bad things to you and will not stop, there can be no relationship. If there's no repentance and the behavior continues, sometimes you have to put distance between you and the other person for your own well-being. For your own well-being. Still, if the other person will not apologize and won't do any admitting and won't stop, the fairest thing you can do for yourself is to forgive them. That means let it go and leave it to God. Because that's the only way, listen to me, that's the only way you can detach from a toxic person. Otherwise, you're going to keep taking the bait. Don't take the bait. Forgive them and let it go. And it's the only way through forgiveness that you can stop the torture of memories. Otherwise, you're going to keep rehearsing your accusations and your case. The fairest thing you can do for yourself is forgive and leave it to God. So who comes to mind for you? Who do you still rehearse the past with occasionally? Who do you still have charges against and grudges that you still rehearse? I invite you to come to the Lord's table now and ask Him to purify your mind and let it go to help you forgive. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of Dr. Mike from Compass Church in Salinas. We hope you're encouraged by his practical Bible-based teaching 